we're just about the year 2033, give or take a few years, 2033 is roughly, actually 2030 is probably a little closer, give or take a few years on either side, is roughly the end of the second day, if every day is a thousand years, and entering the third day from Christ's resurrection. Okay? Or actually his crucifixion, but it's only three days. You, you follow me with that? So the third day and the seventh day are about to converge. But if the year is 5784, then we're 216 years from that. So, and with this, uh, this newer research that the, this group did, we're a whole lot closer to that. So, if that's true, the 5784, then the prophetic words in line with the 5784 are not true. Okay? So, I'm just going to put that out there. And everybody's quiet. <laughs> I want to give you two major reminders Hey, did everybody like the picnic last week? Was it good? It was fun? I enjoyed it, too. It was great. Thank you. Thank you for all those that worked hard, cooked. Bruce, you don't smell like hamburgers anymore. Thank God. (laughs) And Chris, thank you. Thank you. All those that helped. Sarah, good job. Take the day off. Have your... Operation, get back to work. I used to like you. So two, two major, two major reminders. Um, one is. And and both of these have two parts. Okay, so what is God's main purpose in the earth? He wants every person to receive Christ and be born again, right? Overall, that's his main. What's the second one? That everybody that does receive Christ, he wants to conform them, being us, into the image of Christ. All right, two main purposes of God. Right now, and this is, these are both reminders, right now I want to remind you again, and maybe some of you haven't been here and have, haven't heard me say this, everything, you know what that means in the Greek and the Hebrew, that word? It means everything. Everything evil that is happening on the planet today is for one main part, purpose that has two parts. Okay. The main purpose is population control. Part A is to tyrannically control every aspect of every person's life on the planet. Part B, that is to reduce the population that is on the planet today. Okay? When, no matter what is being talked about, whether it's CBDCs, that's central bank digital currency, 
whether it's another COVID thing or a vaccine thing or no matter what is being talked, whether it's the war in Ukraine, where it's the open borders, no matter what is being talked about, that's the reason. Overall. It's the reason. Now, there's other things happening, but those are the two main reasons. So when you see it, that's the reason. That's what the enemy's doing. He's killing as many people as possible. And he wants to bring as many possible under his control. That's it. Now, that I said all that, don't ever, ever believe anything I say just because I said it. I love what Ronald Reagan says. Trust, but verify. So no matter what message I preach or word I give, never believe it just because I said it. Okay? And I'll extend that to no matter who else, whatever prophet, whatever preacher or minister, whatever they say, don't ever believe it just because they said it. Yes. You want to tell everybody what that is? Since Christ's resurrection, the born-again experience enables us to have a personal relationship with the Father, but also koinonia, intimacy. We cannot have intimacy with another human being. I'm not talking about sexual. I'm just talking about close, personal relationship without the ability to communicate with one another. Meaning, we, also, we speak or communicate, but we also have to hear how God is communicating with us. If we can't, we cannot have intimacy. We can have relationship. We can still be sons and daughters of God. Just like you can have you can have a relationship with your father or your mother, but not be talking. If you're not talking or communicating, you don't have intimacy. Okay. So we're going to begin today talking about how to recognize the voice of God. Now, when I say voice of God, I don't mean the tone of his voice. I mean how he communicates with us. Okay? And he communicates with us in a variety of ways. There's, it, it, it's just a plethora of ways. It, you might be watching a TV program and God speaks to you through it. Or a commercial. Or a billboard. Or an animal. He's done that before. It could be a child. It could be somebody old. It can be a thing. It can be a circumstance. He can talk and communicate to us in a variety of ways. And what we must do is learn how to recognize Him communicating to us and know that it's Him. So that's what I want to talk about 
today. Before I get into that too deep, I want to mention this. And this would be a good study for you. It won't take long. I believe there is a lot of misconception today with the office of apostle and the office of prophet. So, when you read the first covenant, the old covenant, we have apostles or prophets. We don't have apostles. And prophets functioned a particular way. As a matter of fact, they were called seers. Because they saw things into the Spirit and they heard from God. And typically, the Spirit of God would rest on the priest, the prophet, or the king. And then anybody God specifically chose for a specific purpose. That's not the way it is today post-resurrection. The Spirit of God is available for all of us. So to hear from the Lord, people had to go to the priest, prophet, or king, most often the priest or the prophet, and even more often to the prophet. What is the prophet saying? But that's not how it functions, New Testament. The, the office of the prophet, we still have the office of the prophet, but it doesn't function like it did in the first covenant. And what's extremely concerning to me and has been for a number of years is how many Christians always want to hear what the prophet's saying. When we can hear from God for ourselves. And we also need to be in an assembly that people hear from God in. Because we all know in part and prophesy in part. But remember, no matter what we get, it's always only a part. So no prophet today is going to have it all. They're only going to have a part. And I think a part of the reason why many Christians do this is laziness. Because it takes discipline and focus to hear what God is saying to us specifically. It's much easier to go to somebody else and say, what's God saying? It's much easier to go to church and just listen to a message and not have to you know, research the Scriptures and study yourself. Don't everybody turn red on me because then I'll know what you've been If you'll notice, there's when you read the New Testament, start in the book of Acts, you will see a slow, but somewhat not real slow, but definite change in the office of prophets. Because in the, when the book of Acts begins, you have some prophets that are still functioning under that first covenant. But eventually what happens... And you'll notice this if you pay any attention, is the revelatory prophetic word is now given to apostles, not prophets. And you'll find prophets, New Testament prophets, are now with the teachers, and their main responsibility is teaching, not running around, not getting a YouTube channel, and not telling everybody what they think should be or happen. That's not New Testament prophets. And if it is, and you think it is, then verify that by Scripture. 
you will see it switch to the apostles. I'll give you a couple examples. Who had the greatest revelation in the New Testament? I would say Paul and John are pretty close. But neither one of them were prophets. They were apostles. John writing the whole book of, of the revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest revelations. That we're still trying to figure out what he said. Paul. The, the massive amount of revelation given to that man. We're still trying to figure out what he said. Aren't we? Peter's another one. God did not give a prophet the vision of now the gospel is the, and Christ is for the Gentiles. He gave it to an apostle. So you see this shift in Scripture, and there's a danger. As a matter of fact, these two offices, and mainly the first one, the prophet, is what Jesus warned about over and over and over. Warned about false prophets. He warned about false apostles, too, especially in the seven letters, one of the seven letters of Revelation. You will also see that Jesus and some other writers use the word prophet in a general sense, meaning teacher. It's a great little homework for you to do is get into the Scripture and look at this. Now, I believe it is very, very, very important that we as individuals and as a congregation be able to hear and recognize what God is saying to us individually for our particular biological family and what He's saying to us as a group where we live now in Independence or this, the greater Kansas City area, because he's going to speak to us to influence this area. Another ministry across town or states away isn't necessarily going to be speaking to us. See, a lot of these prophets today think they're getting words for everybody. When I have, I take issue with that. What is God saying to us? Notice Paul, one of the greatest apostles, said, I will not plow in another man's field. While he was living and walking, he didn't take authority and start speaking to this other field. He stayed in his lane, so to speak. With me on this? So be very careful who you listen to, especially now. Just like you're careful of what news you listen to. Be careful of the ministers, the people. We have to know what God is saying for ourselves. It's critical. We just got done talking about faith. 
for a number of weeks. Now we're going to be on this. And this is why that I believe the Lord has spoken to me. We need this for the hour in which we live. We cannot have faith without recognizing what God's saying. Because it all depends on what God's saying. It all hinges on that. If you can turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking, verse 1. He says this, Truly, truly. Does anybody know why those two words are back to back like that? Truly, truly. Or if you read King James, dear Lord, it's verily, verily. Is verily, verily an NIV? The nasty international version? Yep. Does anybody know why there are two words like that? I know you know this. Well, it's important. It's, it's emphasized. It's, it's like italics or bold print. There's an emphasis on this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Let me read that again. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. Let me read that part again. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep do what? Follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow. Is this good? Man, this is good. Because when he puts forth his own, a stranger, verse 5, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Let's look at this passage for just a second. Verse 2, he enters by the door. He who enters is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Who hears the voice of God? Sheep. Yeah, but don't do any more sheep things. That's all. Don't be. So the first thing is to be a sheep. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. 
We're getting into a little bit more intimacy here. He doesn't say he calls our number. It's like he calls their name. He knows who belongs to him. That's beautiful. He doesn't say, hey, kid. Hey, you. Knows your name. I mean, there's a whole message in name. There really is. Names are extremely important to the Lord. You know where it says that we're to pray in Jesus' name? And and most of the time we pray and then at the end of our prayer we say, and in Jesus' name. That, that It's okay to do that, but that's not what that means. You see, the name of Jesus, His name, being in His name, praying in His name, means we are submitted and committed to the authority, all of the authority that that name represents. We don't even have to say it for that to be true. That's right. He calls His own sheep by name. And what does He do? He leads them. So first, you've got to be a sheep. Second, no, He knows your name. And his desire is to lead that we may follow. But he says we have to recognize his voice. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him. Why do the sheep follow him? Because they know his voice over every other voice, including our own. Now, there's something else I left out here. Where were the sheep? They were in a particular location. See, his parable here is not they're scattered all over the hills. They're in a location. They're in a sheep pen. They're all together. They're assembled. Not what he said. He could have said they're scattered everywhere. Now, back in the first century, and we got the privilege of going into one of these sheep pens. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. I, I did own pigs for a very short amount of time. That was fun. It was quite an experience. Don't care to do it again. But I'm not a farmer. But when I, we think in pictures. So when I hear sheep pen, I think of, you know, a a, a wire fence, you know, kind of enclosure, maybe a little barbed wire on top to keep the fox out or something that has a gate. That's kind of what I picture. The first century wasn't like that. It was either a rock wall or what they used often, and this is what we got to go into, is a cave. There were actually caves that they would bring their sheep in. Jesus most likely was born in a cave in one of these animal enclosures. And when you think about that, 
how that is awesome protection because it's got a roof over it it's enclosed it's got one way in and one way out and typically what a shepherd would do is uh when they they would they they would either be the gate or close the gate they would lay down right at the gate they'd be the gate you got to come through the shepherd i mean get that picture with christ so his sheep are assembled he's the gate And he says, my sheep know my name. And sometimes what would happen is you might have two or three shepherds with their sheep all mixed together in one pen in the first century. And it was morning and it's time the shepherd wants their sheep out. They would that shepherd would call and the sheep knew his voice over the others. It wouldn't follow the other shepherds would follow their shepherd over the other voices. Isn't that what Jesus said? The voice of a stranger, they're not going to follow him. Isn't that good? We do not know the voice of strangers. We'll flee from them. And we'll recognize His voice over all the others. And I want to emphasize our own voice. The voice of our own emotion. The voice of our own will. The voice of our own lusts and desires. Rex mentioned this passage this morning. It's Hebrews 5.14. The solid food is for the mature who because of practice, 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 because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. How do we get to know another human's voice? Most of you, that, especially those that have been here a long time, you could probably recognize my voice on the first syllable that comes out of my mouth. Because of practice. Listening. Listening. Now, here's a major problem when we're talking about listening for the voice of God is he doesn't have that. He does have, but I have never heard an audible voice with an audible tone to be able to recognize. I have heard with my spiritual ears on the inside and sometimes loudly, but it's not audible. Because it's inside, internal. Him speaking. Speaking words. But I've also heard my own voice more often than that. I've also heard the voice of the enemy coming in thoughts. When we think of Jesus being tempted, the Bible says He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I remember when I was young in the Lord, I would get this mental picture that Satan, you know, just showed up in, you know, his his Satan suit, right? His devil suit with the pointy tail and the pitchfork. And then and then as I, you know, figured that one wasn't I figured he just showed up as a man or something like that. But 
I believe he comes, came to Jesus the same way he comes to us. With thoughts. With that voice. And Jesus was able to recognize his voice. And how did he combat it? With Scripture. Not with getting his tambourine out and his trumpet and beating a drum. No, he combated it with Scripture. He spoke. But he was able to recognize it. How about Peter? This is Matthew chapter 16, I think. He has this great revelation of who Jesus is. You are the Messiah, Son of the living God. And a couple paragraphs later, that guy, Peter, with that revelation, is rebuking him, Jesus. This shall never happen to you. When Jesus was telling him he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified. No, that's never going to happen to you. What did Jesus say? Now, come on, Peter, let's talk about this. No, he turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block for me. Because you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. But the point there being is he recognized the voice of a stranger, even when it came out of one of his best friends. The mouth of his best friend. And he spoke to that voice. This is the clarity I want for all of us. That we can recognize it, not in a week's time, immediately. That's not God. It's not His voice. It's not who He is. It didn't come from Him. We can do all things as Christ did. Jesus one of my favorite passages said this in his temptation. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone or the natural, but on what? Every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. So if we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then we have to recognize those words coming out of his mouth. Recognize his voice, hear it, it being communicated to us some way. Even beyond written scripture. What is he saying to us now? Romans 8.14 All who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Romans 1.17 Galatians 3.11 That we talk about constantly through the faith message. Righteous man shall live by faith. Faith is what? Having trust and confidence in God. You can't have trust and confidence in God unless you know what he's saying. So, Scripture is for all people in all places at all times. Scripture is a standard by which we measure all truth. When I said earlier, don't ever take my word for anything just because I said it. Measure it by this. But we have to go beyond just what's written on the page to being able to recognize his voice. Otherwise, we don't know who to marry. 
We don't know what job to take. We don't know where to live. We don't know if we should run for political office or not. Because there's so many other things. We, we don't know what to do during COVID. We're not hearing from God. When other things come down our way, a lot of, there's, it's not addressed in here specifically. And there's certainly not a timing issue addressed in here. That's another thing that we'll have to talk about eventually. Is sometimes knowing the right thing to do is very, very important, but we have to know the timing in which to do it. It's very, very important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I need to check out and find another place to go, right? <laughs> I'm going to close with this. That's a, that's a promise. I hope that makes you feel better. Because that was my purpose. And we'll see if it's true or not. <laughs> Don't believe anything I said just because I said it. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I closed my Bible, which means nothing. John, John chapter 14, verse 30 through 31. Jesus speaking. He says, the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. And then he went on to say this, but so that the world may know that I love the father. I do exactly as the father commands me. And that's what I want to close with. The ruler of the world, Satan, the prince of the power of the air, Beelzebub, the devil, is active in the world today. More so than he was last week or last year. But he is to have nothing in us. No foothold, no access. No place to grab hold of. Only out here with words. Like Jesus when he was being tempted. That word tempted also means tested. He has nothing in me. Satan has no access. True love, because we could tell God we love him all day long, but true love manifests in our obedience to him. We give Satan no quarter. Now let me tell you, if you've never heard me say this, how you can bind Satan from your life. So very easy. I'll tell you how you can do it by telling you how not to do it. First, don't say, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because that does absolutely nothing. It's not scriptural. It doesn't do it. If you don't believe me, try it. 
Because if you say it and it works, then he would never come back, right? You bound him. Here's a way you can bind Satan from your life. Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, God doled out discipline to the man, to the woman, and to the serpent. And he told the serpent, on your belly you shall go and eat dust all the days of your life. Who's the serpent? Satan. God just legally gave Satan food he can eat. And it's called dust. There is nothing you or I are going to be able to do about that. Because God gave him that to eat. What is our body made of? Our bodies are made of dust. The works of the flesh. Converse to producing the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh. When we are acting in the works of the flesh, we, not Satan, we are providing food for him. Provide food for cockroaches. They bring all their relatives. In Jude, it says that demons that left their heavenly abode are now bound someplace. Does anybody know where that is? In darkness. Yeah, angels that, yeah, that became, they are bound in darkness. Now, that does not mean that they're chained up in darkness. But they're bound to darkness. And they can't go to light. They can't stand light. They're bound in darkness, meaning God gave them legally a place to exist that you or I are not going to be able to do anything about. Until Jesus comes back and he'll take care of that. But this place is called darkness. What does the Bible say about us? We're not children of darkness. We're children of light. You are what? The light of the world. Come to the light. See, those things that we choose to keep hidden in darkness, sins, all this stuff, in the darkness of our our heart, we are giving place to demonic activity. There's so much talk about forgiveness and come to the light and, 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 and go to Christ our burden with our burdens, all of our hurts and our wounds and everything as our, our hearts are being more and more healed and, and becoming more and more light. We're children of the light. He exists in light. We can't have intimacy with Him if we're not in the light. Darkness is a legal place given by God to demons to live. 
And dust is their legal food. And there's nothing you or I are going to do about that. And saying, I bind you, Jesus, and I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and all this kind of stuff does nothing. Remove the dirt and the darkness. And you remove access to Satan in your life. The, the ruler of the world's coming and he has nothing in me. That's what Jesus said. There's no darkness in Jesus. There's no works of the flesh. There's no, he has nothing in me. Now, the access in that place, the access Satan has to our life, then, is controlled by God. And it's controlled. He does not have unlimited. Satan does not have unlimited access to your life or my life. I don't know why so many Christians think this way. Look, if Satan had that kind of power. He would have killed Adam as soon as God created him. Create another one. God kill him. He doesn't have. That type of unlimited access. It's all controlled. So sometimes Satan has access to our life because of our choices, our behavior, our decisions. And I would much rather, I think even Rex mentioned that scripture. It was, it's much better. Let us suffer for the sake of Christ. Not because of our own sin and bad behavior and choices. Last thing I want to say. Yeah. Here's how here's an easy way to resist the devil. Submit to God. If if the works of the flesh and sin and the devil's this direction, the repentance is not fighting here. It's turning and start obeying here. That's how you resist that. Then any access Satan has in our life from that point forward is all controlled by God. Using it for our benefit. Just like he did with Jesus. The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. Who led him? Not the devil. The Spirit of God. To be what? Tested by the devil. That was all a controlled, determined by God event. Was it the devil that killed Jesus? That was all a controlled event. I think we need to get a hold of this, that the enemy does not have unfettered access to do whatever he wants to us. We are so demonically focused and we've got to stop it. It's this whole thing. I'm sorry, I'm going. I, I told you I was going to close this whole thing. Like, you know, spiritual warfare has gotten so out of balance. 
even in the area of we've got to pray against the devil, we've got to pray against. He, when you even say that, you are taking a defensive posture. Meaning that the enemy is on the move and we've got to come against. No, we are on the move with God. He has to play catch up. There is nothing that Satan comes up with on his own. He only takes what God has created and he perverts it and twists it and tries to uh, uh, what, what's that? He, he tries to make another thing look like a counterfeit. He's not he's not creative in his own being. It's always counterfeit. This one world government is a counterfeit to when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. That's that's what that is. It's, it's all counterfeit. And so. He counterfeits faith because for for Satan to get his will done in the earth, he's got to have men who God has given authority over the earth to line up with Satan and his plans. And when they do that, you're exercising faith in his word and not in God's word. It's, it's, and it's about agreement. It's, this is how the enemy works with us on a personal level. So I'll just use healing. And mainly I'm passionate about physical healing because I was so against it when I was for years when I was first born again. And you know what changes you when you get supernaturally healed? That changes everything. <laughs> it did change everything for me. The enemy has so lied to so many Christians on this that God healing's not for today. God doesn't heal everybody. God's got a per he's teaching you something. All of these, this junk, and when we come into agreement with that, what are we doing? Exercising faith in the demonic word and not in God's word. And guess what we'll have? What will be the result? It's whose word are we going to put that trust in? But we've got to recognize God's. Because what does the enemy do? He goes around seeking whom he may devour. And he comes as what? He appears as an angel of light. As something. How did it? This is the exact way it works so often. It just manifests differently. The serpent came into the garden. The serpent is what? Appeared to be a beautifully created being of God. Of like all the other creations of God. He comes into the garden speaks three sentences. He's in the most perfect environment on earth. There is no sin. There is no flesh. There is not, that, nothing like that. There's no corruption whatsoever. Speaks three sentences and gets Eve to bite. And I didn't mean that as a pun, but it works. He came like just another beautifully created being. She even was able to say what God said. But you've got to not just know what God says. You have to obey what God says. No matter who's telling you otherwise. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word, for you. I pray for clarity and understanding and revelation in all things. Glory. Thank you for this congregation, this assembly. May they have ears to hear and eyes to see.
May you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. May they know without a shadow of a doubt what you are saying and recognize your voice the way you communicate above all the other voices, including their own. I pray that for me too, Father. We love you. Thank you for holding us close to your heart, for being our navigator, leading us and guiding us through this war zone in which we are living. But you didn't call us just to survive. You called us to thrive. We bless you. We honor you. May everything we say and everything we do give honor to your holy name. Amen. Glory. Thank you, guys.